Father, this morning I pray that as we uh, enter into this time of reading from your word and then spending time thinking about your word and studying it, Lord, I, I pray that all of us would just stop for a moment and realize how amazing it is that we get to do that. That the God who created us, the God who is all-powerful, the God who has plans for our lives, the God who has rescued us, has written his word into a book and given it to us so that we may know you, God. That we can know who you are and what you're like. And Lord, it's just amazing. I think sometimes uh, we allow that to just kind of pass us by, the fact that you've spoken to us. And so, Lord, I pray that as we get into Ephesians 4 this morning, that, that Lord, all of us would place ourselves underneath your word in, in this posture of humility, wanting to receive what your word has to say to us and wanting to conform our lives to it and apply the truths and be encouraged by what you say about us. And so, Lord, I, I just pray that this would be a, a, a big moment, Lord, as we get to hear from you. And I pray for me as I, as I speak from your word that I would stick with it. And Lord, we would think about what you have to say, not what I have to say. So Lord, we're just grateful for this moment. And Father, I pray specifically this morning that you would lead us here at Great Soul Church as a result of studying your word in Ephesians 4 this morning. Would you lead us to be a, a faithful church filled with people who are committed to one another, a church that's filled with people who are exercising our gifts that you have given us. And that, Lord, we would be a church filled with people who are experiencing true life change, transformation. We pray for those things, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning's real exciting for me because it's 2018, and so we're entering our first full calendar year uh, as a church. If you're new with us, uh, we did not exist last January. Uh, Grace Hill Church became a church last April, and then in September, we held our first public worship services. So this is our first full year together. And so here's what I want to do this morning as we jump into 2018 is I wanna lay some vision uh, down for us this morning about what it means for Grace Hill Church to be a biblically faithful church that is growing, that is reaching people, and where people are growing uh, within the church. But here's the thing. This morning, I'm not going to be casting a new vision for us. I actually have some very old vision that I want us to hear this morning. It's not new, it's not fresh, but I think when we look at how our culture influences our view of the church, that this old vision is actually really radical. It, it goes against our culturally trained instincts. It, it irritates our individualistic tendencies. Because this morning, what I simply want to do is I want to lay out the vision that the Bible gives us for what a church is, what a church should look like, what a church should feel like. And that's why we're going to go to Ephesians 4 today. You know, have you ever, uh, 
You ever eaten at the, uh, the Cheesecake Factory? Um, you know, what I love about that restaurant and what I actually don't like about that restaurant is how massive the menu is. All right, the menu is a novel. All right, you can eat whatever you want there. If you want steak, you can have steak, you can have chicken, you can have barbecue, you can have tacos, you can have orange chicken, you can have lasagna, you can have pizza, you can have burger, you can have whatever you want at the Cheesecake Factory, and then you have 50 different options of cheesecake to choose from. And so think about it, if someone, if, we're, if you had a group of people eating there at the Cheesecake Factory and uh, a group of people maybe came from a third world context or maybe an ancient context, okay, they traveled in time and they saw us eating there, their minds would be blown, right? At the very same time at one table, you're eating Italian, you're eating Asian, you're eating Mexican, you're eating American all at the same time, right? The amount of options, the amount of food that are at our disposal, it, it really is incredible. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating at restaurants. I, I love restaurants and I like the Cheesecake Factory. But I think restaurants are a good analogy for how our culture wants us to view church. See, our culture says that you are your own person and that your preferences, your comfort, your pleasure should be the number one priority in your life, right? So if you think about going to a restaurant, uh, well, first of all, if I want to go, I've, I've got a million options to choose from just when it comes to restaurants, right? And then once I finally decide on the restaurant that I want to go to, I can sit at the table with my friends and my family, and I get a personal menu where I get to order what I want, and it does not matter what everybody else wants. I get what I want, right? If I want Italian, I'm getting Italian. It doesn't matter what everybody else wants at the table because it's your decision based on your preferences. And this is how our culture wants us to view the church. You're your own person and you can pick and choose who and what will be a part of your life according to your preferences and desires, right? And that's how our culture wants to see the church. See, the culture says that the church is actually separate from your personal faith and your personal spirituality. That's what the culture wants to tell you, that the church is separate from it, right? You're your own person, you have your own faith, and the church is separate. And when you view the church as separate from your own personal faith, we begin to view the church as this institution that exists to provide goods and services, right? So I might believe in Jesus, and I might have faith in the Bible and faith in Jesus, but the church is this optional institution that I can take advantage of as a way of exercising my faith or as a way of strengthening my faith or being obedient to what I think my faith says. And since this is a service that exists to serve my faith, my faith, then I can pick and choose, you know, which church I want to go to. I can start shopping them to, to figure out which one offers the right mix that I need for the strengthening of my own personal faith. And the minute a church begins to not really meet those needs, well, we've got a ton of other churches to go and choose from, right? The minute you get tired of Cheesecake Factory, you never really have to go back. Just go to a different restaurant. Now, let me just quick caveat before I go deeper into this. I'm not talking about exercising wise discernment in choosing the right church to go to for you and your family. I'm talking about how our culture influences the way we view the church. And that is that this church is this optional institution. It provides the goods and services I need for my faith, 
right? I may or may not take advantage of it, but here's the deal. It's not required. It's not required for me in regards to following Jesus. And you could not have, I I think, a more wrong, biblically backwards and destructive view of the church than that. And so this morning, I, I wanna begin the process of laying out a biblical vision for what the church is and what the church is supposed to be. And we're gonna do that by starting a new series that we're gonna be in for several weeks here at the beginning of the year. Uh, It's called Called to Belong. And what we're gonna do is take several weeks to study Ephesians chapter four. So we'll be here in Ephesians four uh, for several weeks. We're gonna take it apart uh, verse by uh, verse. And I think what we're gonna discover here in Ephesians four is that as followers of Jesus, we are called to belong to a local church. We are called to belong to a local church. And my prayer is that all of us will will catch a vision for what that really looks like, what that really means. How do we live that out? And so this morning, what I actually wanna do is just do a quick overview. I wanna scratch the surface of Ephesians 4. I wanna read through several scriptures kind of throughout the chapter. And then starting next week, we'll dive deep into some of the things that we're gonna hit this morning. So this will be a bit of an overview for us. And so... Here's what we're going to do. As we study Ephesians 4 together, we're going to learn three things, all right? So three points for the sermon today, if you're taking notes, and we'll be hitting these throughout the several weeks. So here's what we're going to learn. Uh, We're going to learn through our study in Ephesians 4 that a biblically faithful church is filled with people who, number one, are committed to to one another, are committed to one another. Number two, who are being equipped to minister to one another, And number three, who are experiencing real life change and transformation. Those are our three. So let's hit the first one here. The first one, a biblically faithful church is filled with people who are committed to one another. All right, so turn in Ephesians 4. Let's look at the first verse here. Uh, This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing a letter to a church, a local church, just like Grace Hill Church, in the city of Ephesus. And so he's writing them this letter. Let's look at uh, verse one to six here. Ephesians four, verse one says this. I, this is the Apostle Paul, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. Now, real quick, you have to understand, in the Greek, that, that's a second person pronoun in the plural. Now, we don't really officially have that in the English language, but we kind of do. It's called y'all, all right? So I, therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge y'all. So he's talking to the church, everyone, not a single person, y'all, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you, y'all, have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And so one of the analogies that we'll be referring to a lot in this series, because it's referred to a lot in the scripture, in the, in the text that we just read and the text that Lisa read for us earlier is this analogy of the body. So in Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23, Paul tells us that Jesus is the head 
okay? And the church is the body of Christ. The people who comprise of the church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, the church is the body. And so as followers of Jesus, we are part of what we would call the universal church, right? That's all believers at all times and all places, right? The universal church. And as members of this universal church, the body of Christ, we are then considered to be a part of that body. The scripture is very clear that the universal church manifests itself in local expressions. Very clear all throughout scripture. That a local church, it's a local expression of the body of Christ. So Grace Hill Church, that's what we are. We are a local expression of the body of Christ. And so as we go back to Ephesians 4, one of the ways that we as a local church walk in a manner that we have been called to walk, verse 1, right? We're obedient to that is by what he says in verse 3. We are eager to maintain the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. And so in other words, we as followers of Jesus are called to belong to a local body of Christ. We are called to belong to a local church and to be committed to that local church. And so we'll dive deep into this passage starting next week. Um, we'll get more in depth into it. But, but I just wanna point out this morning that this flies in the face of how our culture wants us to view church. You know, the other day I was talking to a mutual friend of mine and we were talking about a, uh, well, I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about a mutual friend of ours um, who uh, went to his church and I was just asking him about him. And uh, he proceeded to tell me that this person had, they got disgruntled about something in the church and decided to leave. And I said, oh, okay, well, where are they going to church? And he said, well, they just decided to stop going, to stop attending all Together, they feel like that they can better follow Jesus without the church. They feel like that they can be better Christians without the church. Now, don't get me wrong. I felt that way before, right? Church can be messy, you guys, all right? But here's the problem, right? This person's view and expectation of the church is inherently selfish, to them, the church is about their own spiritual walk with Christ and their own experience. So again, we, we have this separation of the institution, right? You have my faith and the church, and the church is separate and optional because attending church is about me. It's about my faith, my walk. So I need to find the one, or even if I go to one, that helps me follow Jesus as the top priority. It's about my faith. Right, my commitment to this church is to the institution and it goes as deep as I feel that I am getting what I need. That's the depth of my commitment to that church. But Paul calls us in verse three to be eager to maintain unity and the bond of peace. And in verse 25, if you go later in Ephesians four, in verse 25, he says that we are all members of one another. And so a faithful church is filled with people who are committed to one another, who don't see the church as an institution, but they see the church as people, a local expression of the body of Christ, and they're committed to those people, right? And those people have names and stories. This is why we do membership at Grace Hill Church. 
We think that if people wanna call Grace Hill their church home, they should make a commitment to this church and become a member of the church, of the body of Christ. And this commitment, it's not to me, it's not to some institution, it's not to the elders of the church or a nonprofit entity or anything. The commitment is to people. It's to one another, to the people of this church. And, and so we have our members sign a covenant where they indicate that they wanna commit themselves to these people, they wanna lock arms, they wanna grow in Christ together, and they wanna reach this town together as a local church. You know, when you get married, you make a vow to your spouse. And that vow says, hey, I'm here. I'm not leaving. Doesn't matter what happens, right? I, I'm, I'm here. I, if, when things are really good, I'm here. And when things are bad, I'm, I'm here. When uh, we're healthy, I'm here. And when we're sick, I'm here. When we have money, I'm here. When we don't have money and we're struggling, I'm here. I, I, my commitment is to stay with you for the rest of my life not leaving. And listen, committing to a local church, I'm not saying it's the same thing as a marriage vow or it carries the same force. All right, but I do think that we need to, to think about our commitment to the local church in a similar way. Right, I'm committing to this church. I'm not committing to a Sunday morning service or I'm not committing to an institution. I'm committing to these people. Uh, I'm here. So when the church is small, I'm here. When it grows, I'm here. When, when the, the worship is really good, I think it is. I, I, I'm here. When the worship isn't as good, I'm, I'm here. When there's conflict or when there's peace, I, I'm here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna weather the storm because I'm committed to these people. And why would we make such a commitment? Well, Paul points it to us in, in Ephesians 4 because my bond with these people was not anchored in mutual preferences, my bond with the people of this church is not anchored in our similar taste in music or preaching or whatever. No, my bond with these people is anchored in our one Lord, our one faith, our one baptism. My bond with these people is anchored in the fact that we are all the same in our need for the saving work of Jesus, and we are all the same as recipients of the saving work of Jesus Christ. And so I wanna grow in my love and faith in the gospel with these people. So I show up even when I don't feel like showing up because I'm showing up to be with these people. I recognize it's not just about me. I'm not just here for the growth of my personal faith. I am here for the building up of the faith of every person in this church. I take responsibility for the faith of all the people in my church. So that's really old vision, but that's radical vision for a church. That leads us to the second point. Here's the second point. A faithful church is filled with people who are being equipped to minister to one another. Uh, if you look at verses 11 to 13 here in Ephesians 4, look at what Paul says. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, okay, so the leaders, the pastors of the church. He gave those to the church, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and womanhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
So again, we'll, we're going we're gonna to study this text more in depth in later weeks. But, but, but Paul is saying this, that my job as a pastor at this church is to equip you as the members of this church for the work of ministry. Notice he does not say that my job is the work of ministry. He says, my job is to equip the members of which I'm a member as well for the work of ministry. And the purpose of the work of ministry is that this church would grow up in faith, that every person in this church would be fed spiritually, that every person in this church would grow up to mature manhood and womanhood. And so as a member of the church and the body of Christ, you have a role and a responsibility for the faith of everyone else who is a member of this church. And so go back to the mutual friend that I was talking about who had decided to stop going to church because they thought they could follow Christ better without the church. You can't follow Jesus without belonging to a church. Biblically speaking, you can't follow Jesus without belonging to a church because one, we all need the ministry of the body of Christ to grow. We need one another, whether we like it or not. We need one another to grow up into maturity. And then also we have a responsibility to help others grow. Uh, look at verses 15 and 16 in Ephesians 4. Paul says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, so all of us, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. So that's all of us, we're all the joints and stuff held together. And each part, all of us are working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It does not say there that you gotta make sure you have a really stellar pastor to make sure you grow up. It says it's all of us being held together in our commitment to one another makes us grow up in our walks with Christ. So look to the left and right of you, to these people. We're not here for ourselves, we're here for them. That's Ephesians 4. You're not here for you, you're here for them. If everyone in this church is committed to everyone in this church being fed spiritually, then everyone will be fed. But if everyone in this church is here so they get fed, no one's gonna get fed at this church doesn't matter how great the teaching is or anything else. We need one another. And so as a church, we want to be obedient to this biblical vision. And as your pastors, we want to be obedient to our responsibility to help you, the people of the church, identify your gifts and abilities and then help you get into the work of ministry here at Grace Hill. So this is why we're launching something uh, here next month that we're calling the Red Workshop. The RED workshop. RED stands for Recognize, Equip, and Deploy. This is a three-session workshop that is designed to help the members of our church recognize the gifts and abilities and passions and talents and skills that God has given them, equip them to use those in the work of ministry, and then deploy them into ministry opportunities here at Grace Hill. I get people all the time here asking me, hey, Alan, when are we gonna do some more outreach events or when are we gonna do men's ministry or when are we gonna do women's ministry or other things? And I love getting those questions and I love that people are eager to get those things going. And the Red Workshop is the first step because the Red Workshop is our way of identifying the ministry potential of our church and unleashing it. 
And so if you're a member of Grace Hill, you are going to be hearing a lot about red over the next uh, few weeks. And here's the thing, it's only open to members of our church. So if you're interested in being a part of that, and, uh, but you're not a member yet, uh, we got membership class this month, so you can become a member before the Red Workshop starts. I'll have more info about that in our announcements. But our first Red Workshop is going to be uh, in February next month, three-session workshop. The first session is on February 11th, okay? So make sure, uh, it's 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. That's a Sunday, childcare is gonna be provided. Uh, the second workshop's online, and the third workshop is on February 25th, 4 to 6 p.m. That's a Sunday as well. So I just, I want that to be in your calendar, and you'll be hearing a lot about it uh, in the newsletter this week. There'll be a link to RSVP for it. Uh, but here's the thing. If you are a member of this church, I strongly encourage you to clear your schedule for the Red Workshop, because this is the first step for us as a little church to begin to unleash the ministry potential of this church. Third point, a faithful church is filled with people who are experiencing real life change. A faithful church is filled with people who are experiencing real life change. I want you to look at verses 23 and 24. Ephesians 4, verses 23 and 24. I don't want you to look at verses 23 and 24. My notes are wrong. Here, I want you to look at, let's go to verse 21. Uh, assuming, verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. All right, so this work of putting off your old self and putting on the new self happens in the context of the church. And again, we'll study that a lot over the next several weeks. How does that happen? What does that look like? Where do we see that in Ephesians 4? But the church is the context where this kind of true life change happens. When you have a group of people who are committed to one another, even when things get tough and awkward, when you have a group of people who show up not just for themselves, but for others, when you have a group of people who see this church as the body where everyone is valued and utilized, when you have a group of people and their common bond is the gospel of Jesus Christ, our one faith and our one Lord, when everyone takes on the responsibility of ministering to one another, of loving one another, pointing one another to Jesus, then the church becomes the context where real life change can occur. The church becomes a context where you can be honest about the old self and the old ways of our lives that cause us to sin and cause us to have destructive habits and people can help you put on who you really are in Christ, your new self. You know, earlier on uh, in Kim and I's marriage, <clears throat> uh, we lived in Dallas, Texas, and uh, I, we were down there because I was in seminary. And during that time, uh, we had a cousin. She was 15 years old at the time. She was just going through a really hard time in life. And so uh, we offered for her to come live with us, all right? So I was 
23 years old and newly wed in seminary, poor, and I was gonna have a 15-year-old come live in our house. And so we're brand new in Dallas. We didn't know anyone and we were brand new in our church and I had not met our pastor yet. And so I'll never forget the first time that I met him. Uh, His name was Steve Harden. And the first thing that I said to him was, hey, I'm 23, I'm new here, I'm in seminary. Uh, I'm about to have a 15-year-old live in my house. I need help. And uh, you know what that pastor did? That pastor unleashed the ministry power of his church on my family. Not institutions, not programs. No, he immediately began connecting us to certain individuals and families within the church that were able to use their unique gifts and abilities to serve us, to care and love us. Right, so he offered personally to mentor me. He connected us with a young lady in the church who had had similar struggles as our cousin, but had gotten out of those and was now trained by the church in counseling. He got this girl connected with youth leaders and different youth within the church. He came to our house. Others came to our house to pray. We had families who were supporting us. We all got connected into this recovery ministry uh, that walked through what does gospel-centered life change actually look like? similar to what we're talking about here in Ephesians 4. And and Kim and I thought we were taking our cousin through that program, but I think the Lord's plans were for our cousin to take us through that program. But here's my point. Because this church was filled with people who were committed to one another and equipped for the work of ministry, this church became the, the, the context for real life change for my family. And I praise God for that. I mean, you talk to Kim and I and you hear us tell our stories. We would say our lives changed at that church because of the work of ministry, not of all the pastors, but of the people of that church. And so I pray that this will be the kind of church Grace Hill will be. I mean, do we wanna conform to the culture and and view church like we do restaurants? Pick and choose as we please, no real commitment. I eat what I wanna eat, doesn't matter what everybody else wants to eat. We want to see this place like a big kitchen. We're all in there helping prepare a meal. We all have skills and gifts and talents, things to bring to the table to prepare the meal. We're all making sure that everyone has plenty to eat and is getting fed, and we're all eating the same thing. I don't, I don't want Grace Hill Church to become a Sunday morning show. I don't want to see this church grow massively in number, but when we realize that no one really is committed No one really is being equipped for the ministry. Real life change really isn't happening. Because if I'm honest with you, those churches, I don't think really reach people. They don't really see people who are far from God experience true life change as they give their lives to Christ. They may have a ton of, if I'm honest with you, they may have a ton of false converts there on Sunday morning who have no one in their life really consistently pointing them to Jesus, and they're not really consistently pointing anyone else to Jesus, right? I mean, these are churches that find their their bond in mutual preference. I wanna see this church grow. I I do, but but functioning as the body of Christ. This isn't the ministry of Alan McCullough. This is not the ministry of Nick Jones. This isn't a Sunday morning event. No, this is a church. It's the body of Christ. And we wanna see people actually reached with the gospel by speaking the gospel and displaying the gospel with our love for one another and our commitment to one another. We wanna see real life change here. 
And so the challenge for all of us is to ask ourselves this morning, how do I really view the church? And two practical steps for you that I've already mentioned. One, uh, if if you want Grace Hill to be your church home, uh, I encourage you, sign up for a membership class. Um, I'll have a little more info for you on that later, but that's kind of your first step in here where we go through all of this. But we want the people of this church to be committed to one another. And the second thing is, if you're a member, come to the Red Workshop. Uh, We're excited about this, and that thing is going to be only as good as people come in and engage because they want to know where they can get involved in the work of ministry here at Grace Hill. So I'm excited for our study in Ephesians 4 over the next several weeks. I think it's going to be challenging to our church. I think it's going to be radical, but I also think it's going to be foundational to the ministry of this church moving forward. Let me pray for us. Father, as we uh, come before you after looking at Ephesians 4, just very briefly, I I pray for your blessings over this study as we jump into this chapter uh, more in depth over the next several weeks. Lord, I just pray that you would just shower this church with a spirit of graciousness a spirit of love, a spirit of humility, a spirit of wanting to see the best in people, a spirit of not wanting to be here for self, but to be here for others. I pray that this church would be a church that cares for people well, that when one mourns, we all mourn, and one rejoices, we all rejoice. I pray that we would be a church that we value everyone, doesn't matter what their gifts are, what their abilities are, what their experiences are. doesn't matter what they look like or where they're from, Lord. I pray that we would be a church that sees ourselves literally as the body of Christ. Our value is found in our one Lord. And so, Lord, I I, I pray that, Lord, uh, and I want to praise you for this because I keep hearing from people that every time they visit here, that the people here are so gracious and so kind, so welcoming and so warm. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that that would never, ever, ever change. Lord, commitment is hard because when you commit yourself to people, probably gonna get hurt. Lord, we're people, we struggle with sin, we're Sometimes we have selfish motives. Sometimes, Lord, we, we sin against each other and we do terrible things. Lord, I pray that the commitment of the people of this church would be so stronger than our sin, Lord. It would be anchored in the very gospel of Jesus Christ that redeems us from that sin. Help us to be people who forgive one another as you have forgiven us. Lord, we love you. We just pray as we finish our time singing to you that you would be glorified. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name.